Pirkei Avot. We're now, we're almost at the end of Perik Aleph of Pirkei Avot. And I'm going to continue the Mishnah that I began last week. Shimon, Reb Shimon, the son of Rabban Gamliel Hazokein. He is uh, an absolute gem in what he tells us. He tells us he grew up at the, in the lap of great scholars and yet he learned one very important thing. Best to keep quiet. Don't speak, don't talk too much. Don't get too much attention because of the uh, brilliance of your, of, your, uh, uh, of your ability to convey information. It's best to listen. Speaking is not always the best idea. And he said, If you remember from last week, he said, don't imagine that uh, the study of great topics is going to be the main event. It's that which you do. That which, it's the actions that speak louder than words. But now let's go on to the third piece of advice contained here in Ethics of Our Fathers in Pirkei Avot in the name of Reb Shimon Benoishal Rabban Gamliel Hazoki. Bechalamar bedvarim may be hate. Fascinating piece of advice. Do you know what he tells us? He says people who talk too much, and this relates somewhat to Shasika, to silence, those who talk too much, ultimately they will, uh, the fact that they are too verbiose verbose I mean that they will that will result in sin it will result maybe hate so what does it mean to be a marbed varin how do you understand that idea of being a marbed varin to being too verbose so I'm going to look at two different explanations today and there's some variation even within those explanations call a marbed varin maybe hate says the parish the Bartanura. What does that mean? Shekein motzinu b'chava. That's what we found with Chava. Do you know what Chava did? Chava, I'm, I'm going to say this very carefully. And I know that this is being recorded and that you're watching this on Zoom or YouTube or you're listening to this on SoundCloud. But nevertheless, I think I can get away with it. You know what Chava did? She was too frum because she took a mitzvah that she had received from Hashem and she increased the level of the mitzvah to such an extent that it was impossible not to transgress it. That's what we found with Chava. Shehir Besodvarim. She amplified. She exaggerated. She increased that which was said to the extent Sha'amra Omar Lakim. She said about the fruits of the eight sadas that God had said, you're not allowed to eat of those fruits, nor may you touch them. Now, had she said that God said you may not eat them, and I advise you not to touch them. We have those things, type of things all the time in, Ju in Judaism, right? We have things which are called derabonons. Rabbis create gedorim, they create certain aspects of halakha which help us, which assist us to observe the Torah required, the Torah mandated law. But we don't say that that's what Hashem tells us to do. We don't, never say that that's what God expects of us. What we're saying is that the rabbis, knowing human nature, 
understood that without us creating these extra boundaries, people might stray and might do the thing that the Torah tells you not to do. But we don't ever assign those extra, um, uh, these extra requirements to God. But that's not what Chava did. She was a Marbed Varim. Do you know what she did? She says, And also, she said, You may not touch it. Now, once she had touched the fruit of the Eitzadas, whatever that fruit was, and nothing happened to her, lightning didn't strike her down. Have you ever seen that? People say to you, you know, if I do this and it's wrong, God surely will strike me. It doesn't happen. Nobody struck her down. She was able to do it. And that was the way by which she managed to convince Odom Harishon. But, well, listen, if God said I mustn't touch it and I touched it and nothing happened and he said I shouldn't eat it, then surely if I eat it, nothing will happen either. So she managed to create an illusion of God's will by being a Marbed Varim. And that being the case, she um, initiated the possibility for hate for sin now i know that we have a wide range of people who believe that they are god's policemen or god's personal representatives on this world and they tell us all kinds of things this is what god wants from us that's what god wants from us but we are lucky enough as the jewish nation to have received something called the torah you know what that is it's the five books of moses it's the Pentateuch, and the Chamisha Chumshe Torah contains all the mitzvahs of Hashem. And we can create all kinds of boundaries and extra restrictions to ensure that we observe the mitzvahs of Hashem. But ultimately, the mitzvahs of Hashem that we observe are the mitzvahs that are contained in the Torah. And never should we believe or should we think or should we imagine that when we create those boundaries, that somehow we are speaking with God's voice. Chol hamarbet varim, says Reb Shimon, benoi shal rabban Gamliel hazokein, he says, v'chol hamarbet varim mevi chait. Anybody who increases that which has been said, which is forbidden, ultimately it will, resu it will result inevitably in sin. You know, I have worked for many years in trying to help people who are going through difficult crises of faith, of faith. And what I have noted is that those who come from the very observant communities, the Hasidic communities and those communities of the Torah world, where some aspects of the Jewish faith have taken on a whole new level of importance, that when those aspects of Judaism, as far as they were concerned, uh, the essential aspects of Judaism, even though they're not essential. When those are abandoned, they may as well abandon everything else. So for, I'll just give you one example. I'm, I'm going to give you a, it's a silly example, but it's important. You know that um, there is a tradition that the night before the bris, the circumcision that we give to an eight-year-old, eight-day-old child, that there is something called Vachnacht, that you come with a bunch of children, you say Hamalach, you give a blessing to the child, and you give out candy to children. And it's tradition, the basis of that tradition is 
that we want to give a blessing to a child who's about to go through a medical uh, procedure that could endanger, of course it could endanger their lives, they could be subject to infection and of course before there was antibiotics and before there was a good medicine people, children, did die from circumcisions and Vachnach was an opportunity to pray to God and to have a positive moment, a faith moment before the bris milah so that that we could pray for the uh, health of the child who was about to go through that circumcision which was in some sense a danger to their life. Now in certain communities this has taken on a meaning which is so important that when particularly this Covid crisis overtook us people imagined that if they didn't do Vachnach before Brismila that somehow that when their child had a brismila, it wasn't, you know, something was wrong. They hadn't done it properly. And I had calls from people who said, you know, I'm being told that I'm not allowed to invite my family. I'm not allowed to invite people to my home because Vachnach isn't allowed according to the law. Legally, it's being prohibited. And somehow, the, you know, that tradition is so important. The brismila will be lacking. I said to them, uh, let me ask you a question. Have you looked at the Shulchan Aruch recently? Does it talk in the Shulchan Aruch about Vachnach? Does it talk about the fact that it's important to give this bracha to a child the night before the bris milah? Is it an essential component of being an Orthodox Jew, of being a Torah practicing Jew? Or is it just a custom that in a situation of grave danger to life one can abandon? Not just abandon, in fact, it's a mitzvah to abandon it. And they said to me, but what's going to happen to our child? How are we going to function? How's this child going to be able to grow up if it didn't? I said, listen, you've got this all wrong. The only thing that it says in the Torah is that a kid, a boy of eight days old, needs to have a britzmila. Everything else is custom. This is a typical situation of marbe devarim. People who have given meaning to something that I wouldn't say has no meaning, but the meaning has been over-exaggerated to the extent that people think that if they abandon it somehow, their Judaism has no meaning. Now let me tell you something important. That if Vachnach has that level of importance, almost to the level that it becomes the same as keeping Shabbos and kosher, and it comes, becomes the same as every aspect of Jewish life that we know and cherish, then if you abandon one, then you may as well ba- abandon it all. And that's why we've seen sometimes in the very from community, when children of families that are very intensive about their observance of customs to the extent that they may seem parallel to mitzvahs that are in the Torah, that those children who don't necessarily feel as comfortable about everything in their lives and in the lives of their homes and don't want to observe every aspect of Jewish life to that extent but when they abandon one thing they abandon everything because it's seen as one big package says Reb Shimon oh how fantastic this is so amazing what Reb Shimon says he's giving us a warning He is telling us something that is so wise and so incredibly 
important in the lives of those of us who observe mitzvahs. Never imagine that every aspect of the customs and the traditions that you keep have the level of importance of a de'iraisa. And a de'rabonon even, a rabbinic law, doesn't have the level of importance of a de'iraisa. Never pretend that it does. Because, says Rab Shimon, anybody who increases the level of importance of dvarim so that it becomes uh, something that becomes weak, uh, it's, it's almost identical to that which is required of the Torah. Do you know what happens? Maybe hate. That's what he tells us. That's what the Mishnah says. Maybe hate. You're inevitably going to sin. Because once you've done one thing wrong, if you think it's of that level of importance and you haven't really kept to it, you may as well do everything wrong. So we must understand the levels of importance of everything that we do so that we can judge it by its own merits and not ever imagine that it's at the level of importance that it's not uniform. It's not something that necessarily equates with every other mitzvah that we observe. Keeping Shabbos is not the same as Vachnacht, right? And making sure that we do the things that we do, which are the customs of our tradition, are not as important as observing Shabbos, for example. Right? I mean, we know that to be true. And yet there are people who are willing to get into fights and to get into controversies and to become enraged because people didn't observe a particular custom or tradition that they were used to. And they are, they are at, the, at the level of the Cholamar Bedvarim maybe hate. They have, unfortunately, they have become the victims of this idea of Mar Bedvarim. They have become people who, as a result of having increased the level of importance of something that's of lesser importance, that they are maybe hate. They are, um, they are increasing the possibility of sin in the world. Now we'll move on to the final Mishnah, this final Mishnah of the first chapter of Pirkei Avot. It's a wonderful Mishnah. It's a Mishnah in the name of Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel. There's difference of opinion as to who he was. Is it the same Rabban Shimon of the Mishnah that we've just learnt? Or is it a different Mishnah, a different Tana? Is it his grandson, the father of Rabbi Yehuda, um, Rabbi Yehuda Hanossi, who was the author of the Mishnah. We don't know for sure, but we know that Rabban Shema Gamliel was, was either the son of Rabban Gamliel Hazokain, or he was the son of Rabbi Gamliel, who was the head rabbi of the yeshiva and the Sanhedrin in Yavne. But either way, this is what he says. Listen carefully. He says as follows, There are three things upon which the world stands. If you want to know what the foundation of the world is, it's the following three things. Al-Hadin, Val-Ha-Emes, Val-Ha-Sholem. On the law, justice, let's call it. Al-Ha-Emes, on truth. And finally, Al-Ha-Sholem, on peace. Let's have a look at those three things. I want to understand them. I want to appreciate them. And I want to convey all these ideas to you so that you can reflect on them and understand what Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel wanted to teach us. So Rabbeinu Yoina writes, and also the Me'iri, 
says as follows that this idea of I made is not the same as previously you know that, that we had a previous Mishnah the second Mishnah of Pirkei Ovas said as follows that Shimon HaTzadik said what did Shimon HaTzadik tell us the very same words. There are three things upon the upon which the world stands. So he and the, those things are different. What does he say? He says You could listen to a previous share that I have given on Mish, on the Mishnah, the second Mishnah Pirkei Ovis, and you'll hear what that means. What Shimon Atzadik meant when he said that there were three foundations of the world, but the three different foundations than the ones mentioned here by Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel. So what does he mean? And what does Rabban Shimon Gamliel mean? Says Rabbeinu Yonah and the Meiri, they both say the same thing. That what Rabban Shimon Atzadik meant was that as a result of these three things, the world can stand. That means it's only because these three things exist that the world can exist. It's only because we have Torah, Avoidah and Gemilas Chasodim that the world can exist. But now that the world exists, what is the foundation of, as it were, human life, of human existence, of the human condition? Now that the world exists because there are these three things, what is the foundation of our lives, how are we able to function as human beings? Says Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel, it's din, it's emes, and it's uh, uh, and it's sholem. Those are the three things which matter once the world exists. It's only as a, as a result of them that the world can continue to function. And without them, you know what's going to happen. We're going to see it later on. In Perik Gimel Mishnah Base, a person would eat the other person as it were. He would swallow him up, he would destroy him and consume him and absolutely annihilate him if it weren't for the fact that we had Din and Emes and Sholem. So that's how we understand this differentiation between Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel and Shimon Hatzadik. But now let's look at the difference between Din and Emes. I want to go into that a little bit. Because we have a concept of Din, which is justice. What's justice? Justice is you come to a court of law and you present your case and perhaps you are, you are in a situation where you're in a, some type of dispute with somebody else and they present their case. Now, what is the basis of justice? The judges, or the judge in, in secular law, but we have a based in of three judges, have to listen to the evidence. And on the basis of the evidence, there is something called justice. Justice is not necessarily always truth, because sometimes you don't have all the evidence that you need to prove your case. And you may be right, but we have something called the Torah. It's the foundation of our lives. It's the foundation of who we are as Jews. And we know that there is a concept, it's somewhat generic, it's neutral, of evidence, and you produce evidence, and it's evidence that can be tested by witness testimony and by cross-examination. And sometimes in the, you, know, you don't have the evidence that you need. Or as a result of the cross-examination of a witness, they don't do too well. And the justice which is going to be pronounced by the judges, by the Dayonim, is not necessarily the truth, but it's based on halacha. 
it's based on an ultimate truth, which is that that's what God decided is the method by which judgment should be pronounced. And even though it's entirely unfair, even though you have suffered as a result of, let's say, somebody else's complete dishonesty or the lack of evidence on your part to prove your case, that is din. Din is, in this world, the din that we have is based on the Torah, it's based on halacha, it's based on choshen mishpat. It's based on what it is that the rabbi has accessible to him in terms of information in order to decide whether or not something is right or wrong. And on that basis you have to accept it. That's what Hashem wants. That's what God wants from you. Sometimes it's not truth, but it's justice, it's din. That is what is the result of the halachas which exist in order to judge a particular situation. But, in and of itself, that's not sufficient. Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel says, we need something else called MS. You as a person must always be truthful. You as a person must never take advantage of any situation in order to give the wrong impression about something. You must always, to the best of your ability, be somebody who purveys and conveys truth in every possible way. That you are a person that is as it were, from the Pasuk in the Torah, Midvar Sheke Tirchok. You must distance yourself from lies and from falsehood. You must be a person who embraces truth. And to the extent that it's possible, because obviously truth is somewhat subjective, to the extent that it's possible, you must always be an ambassador of truth, a representative of truth. That is so important. But ultimately, the ultimate a foundation of the world and don't forget that we always need three foundations because two is shaky and even four can result in too much movement three is the only firm foundation that we can have and you know that the ultimate foundation of this world is Shalim looking for a peaceful solution in ev any given situation don't look for controversy don't look for dispute don't look to find fault in others so that you can somehow elevate yourselves over them. Look for a peaceful solution that unites everybody, that brings people together. Common ground that is positive, that is optimistic, that is upbeat, that, is, that combines people, that unifies people. That is the ultimate desire. Even if you are in a situation where you know somebody has wronged you, you should find a way of making peace with them. You should find a way of of seeing common ground between you and them because ultimately the foundation of the world is not that we should all live in our ivory towers and lead our own lives to the exclusion of everybody else knowing that we're right and everybody else is wrong that's not the foundation of the world Rabban Shimbain ben Gamliel tells us the foundation of the world is Din, yes MS, yes but ultimately it's Shalom finding a way to live with other people, to be at peace with other people, to be united and together with other people. And together we're always going to achieve much more than we would if we were and are divided. We'll leave it here. Thank you so much. That is the end of chapter one of Pirkei Avot. Thank you.